Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning, South Valley, and good morning to everybody who is at home watching with us live on YouTube or on Facebook. We welcome you to our services as well, and we're going to worship the Lord together. We want to remind you that as we are still gathering here at South Valley at our location here, uh, we want to follow those protocols that we have in place. So thank you so much for wearing your mask. Thank you so much for cooperating with those taking the temperatures. We do have the side doors open so we can create a breeze. We're doing all those things to guard each other and to keep each other safe, and so we appreciate your cooperation with that. And also, as you're moving about the room, make sure you keep Keep those masks on. You keep your social distances. Again, we appreciate all your grace and all your cooperation on that. So together, we will stand, lift our voices up, and give God some praise this morning. Come on, church. You at home, too.
reminder, as we are celebrating this time of year, we know that Jesus sent his son into a manger, was born as the light of the world, as the gift to all to receive and to be able to have an opportunity to be back in relationship with God. Ultimately, Jesus paved that way. So we want to celebrate that, lift these words up. It's a kind of a newer song, but it's an awesome song, and it speaks to the truth of who Jesus is. Thank you. 
Father, Lord, we come before you and we bring our hearts before you, Lord. We bring our offering to you this morning, an offering of worship, an offering of love back to you, Lord. Let this whole morning just be filled with a worshipful presence, Lord, that you would dwell here among us. Speak to our hearts, Lord, as we look into your word. Lord, here or even at home, let us be in your presence. Let all distractions be cast out. Let this be your time, Lord. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for being a God who's always working on our behalf, even behind the scenes, Lord. So we pray this morning that we can lift our hearts up and have time with you, Lord. Pray that anyone who's hearing this service, you would speak to their hearts, Lord. Maybe there's someone here who feels distant from you. Maybe there's someone who doesn't even understand the precious gift of your son and what that means and how much you love them, Lord. So I pray that you would speak to those hearts. And even today, lives would be changed. And people would submit to the authority of who Christ is. 
and receive them as our Lord and Savior, Lord. So again, we give you all the glory for the mighty God you are, and we exalt you and give you praise. In your name we pray, amen.
There's some exciting things going on, and you know, we're just still seeing the wonderful testimonies of those rooted groups, and it was a blessing to be a part of that. And uh, we have some other things that we want to let you know that are going to be blessings throughout this time as we close 2020, and uh, one of which is coming up next week. So if you hadn't heard already, we are going to have four services next Sunday, and it's going to be uh, just going kind of back to the roots of, of what Christmas is about. We're going to have four services, 9, 10, 30, 4, and 5, 30, and those services are going to be called our traditional Christmas celebration services. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be singing some carols together. Uh, we're going to come together in an intimate way and reflect on the goodness of who Christ is and and what that gift means. And we're going to share some scripture, lift our voices up, sing together, and just have a great time together. And many of you have made reservations already on uh, online. That's how we get tickets. We want to make sure each of our services follows the protocols that are in place. And so uh, if you don't get tickets, we are live streaming all those services. So if you happen not to get services, or if you know someone who doesn't want to come to a service, please share with them that we have live streaming at 9, 10, 30, 4, and 5, 30, uh, on our YouTube and our Facebook channels. And if you have any questions, feel free to get a hold of one of the staff members in regards to that. Uh, we can help you out. Uh, my name is John, if you don't know who I am, and I'm at SVCC in Lemoore. Org. That's my ad address, john at svcclamore.org. You can email me. Uh, you can also get a hold of Marcus or any of the staff members, uh, and they'll help direct you. But that is what we're going to be doing next week. It's going to be a wonderful time, an exciting time to kind of close out uh, 2020 and be able to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas together. Amen? Amen. I'm going to turn it over to uh, Marcus at this point in time. Woohoo! Look who's back. I mean, Marcus is a pretty happy guy to begin with, but doesn't he look just a little happier? I wonder what happened. I wonder why. I got a haircut. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm excited about. Nah, man, we had our baby. Homegirl is uh, just a delight, man. It's amazing to see, like, the grace of God in one little face in a, a beautiful way. It's amazing to see how, like, your life changes. And it's also amazing just how much comes out of a baby. Like, that's... That is a reality unknown. I have a lot of nieces and nephews, but, but this is a whole different, whole different avenue for, for us. And we're just so blessed and we're so grateful. So thank you so much for y'all's prayers, your encouragement, your generosity. Uh, so many people, I had no idea so many of y'all could make blankets. Like, man, like you guys are super gifted and just so many different ways you guys have been a blessing. So thank you so much just for uh, praying for us. We're excited to have Adelina in our lives. A little Addie girl is doing great. And she's probably uh, watching the service right now with mom. So we have a lot of stuff that's going down. And as is typical in the last month of the year, it's always jam-packed with just like a whole bunch of amazing things. And so we're just going to just keep giving you the information and pray that you will join in the work that the Lord will have for you. And so this upcoming Saturday, y'all, we have the Lemoore Community Christmas Dinner. We, as a church, we partner with We Are United, which is a local organization that puts on this dinner every year to support the community, to love on the community. And we as a church, we, we come alongside that effort in so many different ways. One of the ways that you can do that great work is through volunteering. And we could certainly use some more volunteers for this event. And so if you go, you'll see it on the slide right there. It says the website right at the very bottom, weareunited.churchcenter.com. Click on that. And then you want to click on events. And then once you click on events, you'll see that it'll have an area to register. And you'll just want to register for volunteering. We have so many different ways to be able to volunteer, whether it's some food prep or serving. It's a wonderful opportunity to bless some families. We also have gifts that are going to be going out to families as they come through this drive.
drive-through dinner. It's a little different this year, obviously, with all that's going on because it is in drive-through style. However, we are going to just continue to spread the joy. And so we would love to be able to have your help with that. We are still looking for gifts, actually. If you are interested in donating an unwrapped gift, anywhere between $20 to $25, you can uh, purchase those gifts. Uh, we're mostly in need for gifts between uh, for those in between ages 12 and 16. And the deadline for that would be this Wednesday. You can bring it to the church office uh, during the week. We'll be collecting them until Wednesday. And it's going to be a great opportunity, y'all. So we hope that you'll partner with us in that. It's going to be an awesome effort. Please pray over that. It's such a great opportunity to be a blessing in the community. And uh, another announcement that we have is you already heard about the Christmas services. Well, the following week on the 27th, the 27th of December, that's the final Sunday in December and of the 2020 year, we are going to be having service solely on online that day. So we will not be having in-service uh, or excuse me, in-person services that morning on the 27th. We will be doing services fully online. So if you show up, you're going to be by yourself, y'all. You're going to be by yourself, praising the Lord, which is okay, but just know that everybody else is going to be in their pajamas with hot chocolate at home. So that's on the 27th. It's also a great opportunity for us to express our gratitude toward those who are volunteering just weekly. We want to give them a Sunday off. They work so hard to make these things possible, events possible, services possible. And so we want to be able to relieve them. Pastor Seth is going to be leading us through communion. And so make sure that y'all got your Kool-Aid on, got your bread or your goldfish crackers, whatever you have available at home. We want to make sure that we get to celebrate the, the gift of community, uh, community and communion. And so that's going to be happening on the 27th. Uh, as we continue... One of the other things that you may have heard of is our Thanksgiving offering. So obviously we have our, our regular giving pattern, y'all. Like that's something out of uh, just, just the act of worship that we have as a church community. Our regular giving is out of an expression of worship, of, of generosity. Uh, we do have online, you can give online. Just click at the top of the website, svcclamore.org, and click on donate. You can give that way. You can give through the Church Center app. But we are in the midst of what we call the Thanksgiving offering, and that's a, a an effort that we have every year as a South Valley family to give beyond our normal giving. Like, if I could just ask y'all real quick, how many of y'all, I want you to think about a time in your life where someone has shown you just generosity in some way. Has anyone ever expressed or experienced that? Yes, whether it's someone in front of you at, at Starbucks paying for your meal, or I think of a, a moment in my life where someone paid for a camp for me to go to, uh, and what ended up being one of the most foundational Christian camps I've ever experienced. Generosity, especially this time of year, is a beautiful, beautiful picture of the grace and love of Christ. And so we, through the Thanksgiving offering, we are working from between now and the 31st to raise $30,000 that we can use to be generous toward three different efforts. Number one, to bless the people in the area of Lemoore through Lemoore Christian Aid and to feed people who are, are having a difficult time. So the poverty stricken. We're also taking that third and we are extending resources, more resources through that offering to bless all the ministries that we already support as a part of the South Valley family. So the missions efforts that we have, the ministry efforts that we are supporting. We just know that the COVID year has been such a taxing time we want to just bless them with just a little bit more, a little bit extra. And then, of course, we're heading into a season, the final third of the, the offering is going to go to support the, the ministries of South Valley and the missions that we are uh, anticipating as we anticipate a new senior pastor. We want to be able to start that person's time here with the type of support that's needed in order to put forth the, the efforts that our senior pastor um, is going to lead us through. And so we are just super excited to see what the Lord will do. $30,000 sounds like a lot, and it is, but we also know that the Lord is good. 
and that God can do whatever it is that he sets his mind toward, his heart toward, as expressed through his love through us and in us. And so we just want to step into that challenge and that opportunity to be able to do that. So you can give online in the same resources. Just make sure you select Thanksgiving offering. If it is a check, like a physical check, and you are bringing that to the church office, or if you're dropping them off into the offering boxes at the side, just make sure you put in the memo Thanksgiving offering so that we know exactly where that goes. So many awesome things happening, y'all. So many wonderful things happening. And right now, I'd love to pass it to a great friend of mine, Thomas Curtis. You've been hearing from him periodically throughout these last couple years about the Pastoral Search Committee. Well, as the leader of the Pastoral Search Committee, he's got a lot of great information and some wonderful news for you this morning. So can we give it up for Thomas, y'all? I got the wipes. All right. All right. Good morning, South Valley. How are you guys doing today? Awesome, awesome. We got some exciting news. We have a date for the candidate weekend. So if, if you guys, yeah, that's worth applauding. Yeah. Um, so take out your calendars if you still write them down or, or take out your phones. You guys want to definitely jot this date down. And that date is going to be January 3rd. That date's going to be January 3rd. So that, that weekend, um, we're going to have that candidate weekend. You're going to be able, the, the pastor is going to be here to preach. So you guys will be, be hearing from, uh, from him here. Um, we just want to let you guys know, um, again, that this is, this is a man that the, that, that the board and the search committee, you know, have prayed over and have unanimously, um, uh, you know, prayed over and unanimously. Uh, God has said that this is uh, the, the man that, that God's calling here to South Valley. So a couple things, uh, we want to we want to trust the process. So for right now, we're we're not going to have his name out there. He he is uh, pastoring at another church, and until until January third, until um, we we vote and we affirm him here, you know, as a the, the pastor here at South Valley, he can't give notice to his other church, right? So we want to trust the process. Uh, secondly, voting will be here in person, so we'll probably have a, a box inside. And, and, and outside, we just want to let you guys know that voting will be here uh, on the campus. So um, we, in, in the next week or so, we are going to be sending out a, a letter and with a little bit more information and then also a bio on the candidate so you can get to, get to know him a little bit. Um, but what we want to let you guys know is, is, is us on the search team, I mean, what we love about him is his heart. He has an amazing, amazing heart uh, for, for people. He has an amazing heart for, for the kingdom and seeing new believers born. He has an amazing heart for the community. So it's just icing on top of the cake, you know, that he's a great leader, he's a great communicator in his experience. So this is an exciting time for, for us and, and, and for ministry and, and, and for the church to, to come together and, and go forward. Exciting time for South Valley. So we're just honored and excited to, to give this announcement. Uh, we'll be giving more information in, in the weeks to come, but again, keep Keep an eye out uh, in the mail. We'll be sending out that letter to you guys, to the membership, um, in the next week or so. So that's all I got for you guys today. Have a, have a blessed day. and Merry Christmas, everybody. Turn it over to you, Gilbert. Thank you, Thomas. You're a different height than me, so we've, we've got the same hairstyle, but you got a different, a different height. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to take my own little lectern here. Uh, good morning, folks. This is exciting news from the pastoral research team on the board, and 
uh, looking forward to seeing you guys affirm the candidate come January the 3rd and uh, him starting as quickly as possible after that there. So that's, that's going to be exciting and delighted that we're at that stage in the process. So uh, uh, I've been working on Christmas lights this weekend. I'm that kind of practical guy who loves ladders and wires and bulbs and all things electronic. <laughs> this, is, this is a picture here of my brother's house in Scotland. And uh, they've been celebrating Christmas since like September back there, okay? Uh, it gets dark at 3 p.m., so uh, not but He's my rich doctor brother, okay? Otherwise, I always remind him, I've got more degrees than he has, okay? So who do you want to trust examining you? Uh, probably him, okay? And then my other brother, also in Scotland, he, he's classless, okay? That's, not, that's, that's just not sophisticated looking. That's just an ugly mess, I think. Okay, uh, not bad for an amateur, kind of slaps it, but here's mine. The, the, the old Christmas decoration gene just missed me, okay? In fact, any practical gene kind of just missed me, okay? Uh, like the only thing I'm good for is a quiz about the Bible. <laughs> That's about it, okay? Uh, but, you know, it's just too confusing. And I always get myself in a tangle. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk this morning about trying to untangle Jesus. Uh, this is my 60th preach since February 2019. And so, I want to try to use this preach to untangle some of your thinking. Uh, in early days, early history, uh, Jesus was viewed as someone who was always stirring up discontent, and he was a revolutionary. He was a usurper, a blasphemer, a heretic. He was an unschooled rabbi from the God-forsaken north, stirring up trouble. And he was often seen as an extremist, a radical. And I've always kind of liked that image of Jesus, like Jesus from the south side, you know, I've always liked the image of Jesus as the little guy who won. It, it, it helps me. It helps me live courageously. It helps me live more boldly, more sold out to Jesus. And I guess that's what Jesus asks us to be, is to live courageously and boldly and sold out. So, so is your picture of Jesus the right picture? My, this is my final pastor joke. I heard a story of a church, okay? And they used to do, back in the day, we used to do like children's talks in the main service, and then we would excuse the children out to their children's program, but they would stay in for the first part, and somebody would give a, like a four-minute children's talk. And this week it was the pastor, and he had to do the children's talk, and I used to hate doing them, okay? Uh, uh, but this Sunday, the pastor wanted to teach the children about frugality, about stewardship, so he says to them, children, 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 I'm thinking of someone who's gray and furry with a long bushy tail and stores nuts for the cold winter. Who is it? And the little kid raises his hand and says, well, I guess the right answer is Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me. Yeah, that's a really bad pastor story. 
This is the third Sunday of Advent. Let me try to untangle Jesus for you a little this morning. I want to talk about how the Gospels speak of His birth. Four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and we're going to go through all of them quickly, okay? Uh, all of them present the birth of Jesus in unique ways. So, let's begin with Matthew and learn something very special, Matthew chapter 1. And uh, Matthew's story about Jesus comes first for a reason. Like, if you pick up your Bible, you'll probably start at the beginning, the book of Genesis. And the average reader very quickly becomes aware to the fact that this book seems to be about Israel and the Jews. Book after book, chapter after chapter is all about the Jewish people. And the awake reader who's still awake after plowing through Leviticus will ask the question, I thought the Bible was a Christian book. It seems more like a Jewish book. And that's the question that you would ask until you hit Matthew. Matthew created the Old Testament. Before Matthew, it was law and prophets, the writings of Judaism, but then Matthew takes up his pen, and in the story that Matthew writes, he changes the Hebrew Scriptures into the Christian Old Testament. If you read Matthew, he's always referring to the Hebrew Scriptures, but listen, he's not using the Old Testament to authenticate Jesus, but he's using Jesus to authenticate the Old Testament. And by the time you end Matthew's gospel, the Hebrew Scriptures have become the Old Testament a testament to Jesus. Matthew's story is written to save us from the nonsense of thinking that we started it all. Matthew's Jesus story comes first in the canon because Matthew tells us that the story of Jesus doesn't begin with Jesus. There's a common phrase, in Matthew's writings, that it might be fulfilled. The story of Jesus doesn't begin with Jesus. He's the coming together in the final form of all the themes and the energies and the movements that have been set in motion before the foundation of the world. Listen, listen, listen. The story of Gilbert didn't begin with Gilbert. The story of John didn't begin with John. The story of Josephine doesn't begin with Josephine. Your story doesn't start with you. Now, we talked a little bit about that last week when we tried to unpack something of Mag the Magnificat and Mary. Do you know the story that you find yourself in? So, you got your Bibles open, Matthew chapter 1. <laughs> Have you ever read it? It starts with a genealogy. And if you want to write a bestseller, <laughs> not the most stimulating opening chapter. If you want someone to read your book, 
It's rather strange to start it with a list of names, but Matthew says the genealogy is critical. And if you look at the genealogy, it goes right back to Abraham. And there are three sets of 14. That's double seven, doubly perfect. There's a rhythm. There's a pattern. Matthew sets the beat, and like a band leader saying, one, two, three, four. There's a rhythm. There's a beat that brought Jesus to now. Jesus didn't start at all. He didn't escape His past. He came through a long history, and as you read the genealogy, a pretty doggy past in his rhythm and in his beat, Matthew highlights the flaws, or he emphasizes the offbeats. See if you can see them. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah, Judah the father of Perez, whose mother was Tamara. And then Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Amadadad, Amadadad, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Solomon, Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Oheb, whose mother was Ruth. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been, she's not even given a name, Uriah's wife, Tamara a child born out of wedlock, Rahab, the harlot woman, the prostitute, Ruth, the Moabite. No Moabite was allowed in the tabernacle because of how they had treated the Israelites. Uriah's wife, that would be Bathsheba, who David played around with on the side, got her husband murdered so he could have her to himself. All four women are Gentiles, All are women, and they destroy the pure historical line, either socially or morally. Matthew starts the story of Jesus by highlighting the blotches, the mistakes, the catastrophes in the historical line of Jesus. He's revealing how the Savior of the world, the glory of God, the incarnate one, the divine God-man came to us. And His line is impure and corrupted. Yuck. Matthew starts the story of Jesus by demonstrating the greatest message Christmas can bring. Jesus redeems our past. You think you can't be involved with Jesus because of something you've done? You think you can't be in this church because you don't have it all together like everybody else? You think you're not good enough or of the right education or the right appearance? Listen, says Matthew, Jesus redeems our past. And here's Matthew telling you this here. And Matthew was what? A tax collector, not the most popular Jew. He's betraying his own people by collecting their money on behalf of the Romans. He's not proud of the job he once did. He's wishing he'd resigned a lot earlier, but he knows that Jesus redeems his past. And this is the wonder, the thrill, the amazing truth of Jesus and Christmas. He came to be a redeemer. He came to deal with our pasts. 
Freud says, your past determines your future. And Jesus says, your past does not determine your future because you can hook yourself up to a God whom in His only Son stepped into time to redeem the botched job that you are making of your life. Jesus redeems your past, and that redemption makes you new. Matthew's Christmas Jesus is a redeeming Jesus. That's Matthew. Now, let me rush to Luke's story. Luke is the only Gentile writer of the gospel. The rest are Jewish, Matthew, Mark, John. The Jews, <laughs> they tend not to like outsiders. Their history was filled with rejection and hatred from outsiders. So, Luke is writing his story to a Christian church, and in particular, if you look at chapter 1, to Theophilus, probably a Roman but it was to a church and its people who were having problems over the whole Gentile-Jew issue. And a lot in the New Testament is written about that issue, the whole book of Galatians, and then there's parts of Romans or Colossians or the book of Acts, all addressing this tension between the Jews and the Gentiles who were coming together in the church. And not only was Luke the only Gentile, writer of the Gospels. He's also the only lay person. Matthew, Mark, and John were either apostles or pastors. Luke's only credentials was he once sat in a train with Paul. He has outsider credentials. And as Luke writes his story, we discover that the people who Jesus had made participants in his life were also very much outsiders. Like, check out the first few chapters of his birth. Uh, you need to go to chapter 2. Even before chapter 2, it starts with Elizabeth. And she was old, and she was a woman, and she was barren. And then Zechariah shows up, and he was also even really old. And he was unbelieving. <laughs> he was a priest who didn't expect God to turn up. And then Mary, we talked about her last week, too young to be useful, a teenager with no experience or status. And then there are the shepherds, only in Luke's story. And the shepherds, well, you have to understand Jewish culture in Palestinian lands, uh, shepherds were viewed as like Palestinian outcasts. They were unclean, their, their work defiled them, they were scum. The birth of Jesus involved outsiders not insiders. People who shouldn't be in the loop, who shouldn't be a part of the club. And his story continues on that theme. John the Baptist gets in his story, and he's dressed in camel hair clothes who, who only ate locusts and honey, and he was blunt and bold in his preaching in chapter 3, and then the tax collectors are being baptized in chapter 3, and then, and then it goes on. There are Samaritans who are heretics, and there's women. Luke included more women in his story than anybody else. There are leopards and children and Gentiles and publicans and, and Roman captains and a harlot and sinful woman who anoints his feet. 
And Luke is revealing something and forming something and emphasizing something. He's wanting something to take shape in our lives. And it's not that the other writers don't appreciate it, but they don't appreciate it as much as Luke, the outsider, appreciated. Jesus was and is the Savior of the world. For Luke, the Jesus story, more than anything else, revolves around the great words. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus has come to seek and to save those who are lost. And if you look at his genealogy in chapter 3, it goes right back, not to Abraham like Matthew did, but it goes right back to Adam. It doesn't stop at Abraham. This is not a Jewish thing, says Luke. This is a human thing. <laughs> no one needs to be out. You can be in. Luke says, with God, there are no outsiders. Oh, you can keep yourself as an outsider, but God's not excluding you. You can exclude yourself, but it's not God. The story of Jesus is the story of becoming spiritual, of being formed by the Spirit of God. And Luke says that that Spirit of God can work and move in anyone and everyone. God wants to shape you and to form you. He wants to breathe His life into your very being. He wants to see the image of His Son be outworked in you, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, whether you're male or female, whether you're old or young. Jesus was born the Savior of the world. And that's, that's you, and, and that's me. And that's Luke's gospel. And then we come back to Mark's gospel, because Mark's a puzzle. Because he doesn't mention the birth of Jesus. He doesn't talk about it. Nada. Zilch. Nothing. Did he not know about the angels and the shepherds and the virgin birth and the elves? So it pushes you. It pushes you to scratch this one further. Why? Why miss the incarnation? You're telling the story of Jesus? You're revealing God to us. Why miss out this magnificent miracle? Have you ever read Mark's gospel? It's short. It's punchy. It's fast. It's actually the first gospel that was written, and, and Matthew and Luke borrow from Mark's writings. It's the Greek in Mark's gospel is rather blunt and basic. It's a bit like American English compared to the Queen's English. Like, you know, you really bastardized it, guys, Okay. And read Mark's gospel, and it goes like this. Jesus comes, Jesus heals, Jesus dies. Boom, boom, boom. Mark's gospel, but maybe it shouldn't be called Mark's gospel. Most scholars believe that Mark took the, took the, took the pen or the quill, and he was writing the words, but there was another voice steering what was being written. And most believe that while Mark wrote the words down, the story was being told by another person, and that person, and that person was Peter, the Apostle Peter, the blunt, 
fast, open your mouth and put your foot in it, Peter. If you're a bottom line kind of guy, you like Peter. He's rash. He doesn't stop to think. He's action, boom, action, boom, action, oops, sorry, more action. And when you think like that, for Peter, he's not interested that much in the beginning. He's all about the ending. Sixteen chapters, eight chapters are about his life, the life of Jesus, and eight chapters, half of the book, are about the ending. For Peter, the end is the beginning. Mark's Christmas story, everything finds its meaning in the ending. Jesus dies, Jesus is buried, and then Jesus rises. He was born, but he was born to die. And that's what defines Peter, and that's what should define you and I. The cross should define us. We are children, sons and daughters of a crucified Savior. So there's Matthew's gospel. There's Matthew's Jesus, Matthew's Christmas Jesus. He redeems your past. There's Luke's gospel. He's the outsider. Jesus is the Savior of all the world. There's Mark's gospel. Oh, he was born, but he born to die as a Savior, as a sacrifice for your problems and my problems, for your sin and my sin. And without the ending, there's no meaning to the beginning. And then we rush here to the end, and let's talk about John's gospel. The fourth gospel. And it's different. My postgrad work was all in John's gospel, so what do you got? Two or three days? We'll unpack it a little bit, maybe chapter one, see what we can get out of it. In the beginning was the Word, pre-existent. And the Word was with God, co-existent. And the Word was God, divine existence. He was with God in the beginning. Luke starts his gospel in the cradle, in a manger in Bethlehem. John starts his gospel in the midst of eternity. Matthew and Luke start with the child in the bosom of Mary. John starts with Jesus being in the bosom of the Father. Luke dates his narrative by Roman rulers. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. John dates his in the beginning. We're back way before Genesis chapter 1. We're back to the eternal time of God. Luke starts with him telling us that he has carefully investigated everything and has written an ordered account, and, and Luke starts from, from the inside of his own understanding. John starts with truth being outside of us. Divine truth for John comes from outside of ourselves. True knowledge of God is born from the womb of reverent agnosticism. I don't really know who God is, but I'm wanting to find out. Augustine observed, when God gives, it is to empty hands. This is the Christmas posture. 
Empty your hands of what you think you know about God. Come to worship with hands that are open. And with hands open and empty, allow God in all of His mystery, all of His unmanageableness, allow Him to fill your hands with a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. Allow yourselves to be wowed. In the beginning was the Word, pre-existent. It was always the nature and the purpose of God to reveal Himself, to make Himself known, to express Himself. And that revelation, that Word of who God is, is Jesus Christ. The Word was with God co-existent one. The Word, Jesus Christ, existed in the closest possible connection with the Father. This is Trinity doctrine. They are one, but He and the Father are not identical. Jesus is not an emanation from God. He has a personal distinction from the Father. He was with God. In other words, he was towards God or face-to-face -face with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Divine existence. And this is the high point of John's confession. This is the tremendous start to his gospel. It is loaded. It is full of wow ingredients. Jesus, Jesus is the revelation. Jesus, Jesus is the communication. Jesus is the means of God accomplishing his act. And that Jesus, the Word, was there at the beginning. He was face to face, coexistent with God. And to underline the wow factor, John writes, and don't miss it, the Word was God. The Word was not a God. The Word was not like God. But the pure and the unadulterated Greek language shouts, nothing less than God will do for our understanding of who the Word, who Jesus is. He created everything. This, this Jesus, this, this little fella in the manger, He created everything. He sustains everything. Everything only exists because of this baby born. But more, but more. Not only was Jesus before time, and not only was Jesus there at the start of time, and nor Jesus down through the history of time, but now here's the crescendo, the climax. You've got to go home and read verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and then you get to 14. Heaven was rearranged for me. Something that had never happened in the eternity of God took place 
The divine community was, was separated. God underwent a change for me. Look at verse 14. God stepped into time, the pre-existent one, the co-existent one, the divine existent one, stepped into time. People, the creatorial Word of God stepped into time. The sustaining Word of God became flesh, and no wonder, John says, verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only. Wow! In introducing Jesus, John wants us to be wowed. The incarnation for John is not about the manger or the angels or the wise men. The incarnation is about the glory of God, all the glory of God being placed in the flesh of Jesus the Christ. The glory is the presence of God, the Shekinah, and it's now walking among us. The glory is the presence of God that was there in the temple. It's now in the flesh. The glory of God is tangible before our eyes. The glory of God is Jesus. Christmas. How far did He come? From the beginning of eternity, before time began, he started coming. <laughs> Christmas, the untangling of Jesus. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? May you find a way this Christmas to be wowed by the Jesus that you're celebrating. And if you're not wowed, join another faith because you're missing it. You're missing it. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we cannot find the words to worship this Jesus enough. We don't have enough adjectives or, or poetry to express the amazement, the wonder of what took place at the birth of Jesus the Christ. We're speechless. And so we ask that in these next 12 days until we open those gifts on a Christmas morning, that you by your Holy Spirit would reveal to us new words about the Word. And may this Christmas, amongst all that's happening, may we bow and worship May that be 
the demeanor of us who claim to be Christ followers, that we are worshipers of a Savior who was born, a Messiah who came, the Word made flesh. Wonder us this Christmas by Your Spirit and move us and change us to then be witnesses of this in our world and time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.